0: hello eb online church family whether you're watching us from home or you're down on the beach maybe you're driving in your car or you're on our campus as part of our stage two comeback wherever you may be thank you for making us part of your day if you were with us last week you might remember that we ended our study by saying that we must actively become embracers we must embrace the person who lives in a different part of town the person who came from a different part of the world we must embrace the person who lives differently votes differently and even believes differently than we do. And we do all of this because embracing leads to healing. Now, Jesus was the master embracer. He was able to connect with and relate to wide-ranging groups of people. He could talk deep theology with a member of the Jewish ruling council one minute and share a meal with a bunch of rowdy tax collectors the next. He had this godlike ability to read people and know exactly what to say and do. To a woman embarrassed and facing execution due to her indiscretions and others' hypocrisy, he looked at her and said, I don't condemn you, now go and leave your life of sin. To a young man wrapped up tight in his righteous accomplishments and material accumulations, he said, there's still one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and and give to the poor and then come follow me. To a woman who refused to allow societal and gender barriers keep her from asking for help, he said, you have great faith. And when he met a leper who believed he would never again feel another gentle caress, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. Once when Jesus saw merchants making it difficult for people to worship, he turned over their money tables and drove them out and their animals outside the temple courtyard with a whip. You see, Jesus saw beyond a person's color, gender, social status, occupation, religion, sickness, and sinfulness. He was not fooled by hidden agendas, pious questions, or false bravado. He saw what made another person tick. He understood what those around him needed the most. And he responded to each and every need with grace and truth, always merciful and always just. Jesus was the master embracer, and he expected his followers to learn from him how to relate to and how to treat other people but it's a lesson that even those who were closest to him struggled with perfecting. In John chapter 9, beginning in verse one, we read about Jesus walking along and seeing a man who had been blind from birth. Or rabbi, his disciples ask him, well, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sin or his parents' sins? Now, I love how, how John presents this story. Jesus sees someone who happens to be blind. The disciples see a problem but are blinded to the person. Now, never mind that the man is a beggar in need of help. Never mind that he is a man that has spent his life in a dark cave. Never mind that the man seated in front of them is an earshot of their voices. Let's talk about, let's talk about his sin. Yeah, let's do that. Now, Jewish rabbis had developed the principle that there is no death without sin and there is no suffering without iniquity. They were even capable of thinking that a child could sin in the womb or that its soul might have sinned in a pre-existent state. They also held that terrible punishments came on certain people because of the sin of their parents. Now you say, how could anybody be so harsh, so insensitive, so blind? The answer is one you might not like. It is easier to talk about a person than to stand up for a person. It's easier to debate homosexuality than to be a friend to someone who is gay. It is easier to discuss divorce than to help a couple whose marriage is broken. It's easier to argue against abortion than to support an orphanage. It's easier to complain about the welfare system than to help someone who's poor. And as we have witnessed in countless ways over the last 13 days, it's easier to talk about race and equality than stand beside those who have been targets of bigotry, suspicion, and abuse due to the color of their skin. In the days following the murder of George Floyd, citizens of all races have taken to the streets in order to give voice to an inner anger and agony. And I just have to be honest with you. Like the disciples here in John 9, I have found it easier to debate the causes of the affliction rather than acknowledge the pain of those around me. It's not that I failed to understand the sinfulness and illegality of Mr. Floyd's death. I failed to empathize with those who see themselves in Mr. Floyd's life. I failed to empathize with those who ask, well, what's to keep me or, or my children from being treated in a similar manner? You see, that's a question that that I've never had to ask because I'm not black. I don't look like the man lying blind on the beggar's mat or the man lying gasping for breath in the street. No, I'm standing with the disciples, debating the cause of the conditions I see in front of me And my empathetic blindness keeps me from seeing the man or the woman in front of me, my brothers and sisters who are hurting. Now, last week I said that there is no room among the people of God for bigotry, sexism, and racism. And that any time we learn that someone has lost their life because of the color of their skin, or because of the way they talked, or because of where they went or who they went with, that we must condemn that action in the strongest possible way. I should have added that we must weep with those who weep. You see, intellectual agreement without empathetic response leaves our words hollow and suspect. It allows us to see the problems, but be blind to the people. It also makes it easier to label than to love. And don't you love it when people label you before they even know you? So you're a millennial, somebody says. Translation, must be lazy and still live at home, right? (laughs) So you're an accountant. Translation, must be boring. Well, she's an Episcopalian. Translation, must be a liberal. Uh, I didn't know you were forced. Translation, must be immoral. Well, you're an evangelical. Translation, narrow-minded Trump supporter. You're a white man. You must be sexist, homophobic, and racist. You're a black man. Translation, better lock my doors. So you're a preacher. (laughs) I'll let you fill in that translation. Guys, what if God did that with us? What if God judged us by our outward appearance and our abilities or our disabilities? What if He judged us based on where we grew up or what we do for a living or the mistakes we made when we were young? What if God had a height requirement or based His acceptance on an ACT score? If God acted like that, then He would be just like, well, He'd be just like me and just like you. But thankfully, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesus had another view of the man born blind. Rather than see him as an opportunity for discussion, he saw him as an opportunity for God. Jesus has godly sight. So why was the man born blind? So that God's power could be shown in him. Now, what a perspective Jesus has. The man wasn't a victim of fate. He was a miracle way to happen. Jesus didn't label him. He loved him. He helped him. The man hadn't been punished by God. He didn't lose the cosmic lottery. He, like you, was in need of the healing power of God's grace. He, just like you, was waiting for God to restore what had been missing since Eden. Perfection. See, because, and and this has been the prophet's message to God's people for centuries, When the Messiah comes, imperfections will be made into perfection, and all members of God's creation will live in harmonious and life-giving relationship with one another. So God would speak to the prophet Isaiah, telling him, say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. The people of God were told that a day was coming when imperfection would be made into perfection. For the blind man of John 9, will that day arrive when Jesus came walking by? The only way anything changes for him is for the power of God's grace to work mightily in his life. The only way he sees the only way that you get sober, the only way your marriage survives, the only way we withstand temptation, and the only way our nation, our neighborhoods heal. We are all living with some degree of imperfection. We are all in need of the power of God's grace. For some, that power is experienced right here and right now. Each of us must rely on God's healing to live with and perhaps overcome some of our imperfections, our anger, our depression, Our addictions, our physical, mental, and emotional limitations, our spiritual and empathetic blindness. But some imperfections will not be overcome until this life ends. Scripture says, Dear friends, now we are children of God and we have not yet been shown what we will be in the future, but we know that when Christ comes again, we will be like Him. You see, at the coming of Christ, God will restore all that this world in its sinful condition has sought to take away. Blind eyes will see, deformed legs will run, mouths that only mumbled will shout with praise, imperfection will be made perfection, and justice will finally be done. Now until then, Lee Camp writes in his book Scandalous Witness that we embody and bear witness to the world that is coming. Camp says, The coming kingdom entails a shared abundance and unencumbered generosity. Thus, we practice generosity and hospitality even now, in the present. The coming kingdom entails the unlearning of war. Thus, we learn the counsel of peace now. The coming kingdom entails the the righting of all wrongs by truth-telling and suffering love. Thus, we tell the truth, practice suffering love, and right wrongs now. You see, we have the opportunity today to be the instruments of God's grace within our imperfect communities, not just with noise and rhetoric, but with conversation and response. So we walk in peaceful protest with those of like minds, and we also embrace those who are different from us. We reach out to our African American brothers and sisters and simply remind them that we care, and we refuse to pretend that racial equality has been achieved. Understanding that for all lives to matter, we must actively demonstrate that black lives matter. I know that for some of you, you can relate to this man who was born blind. In our society, your skin color has made you a topic of conversation. Your gender has left you on the outside looking in. You've been labeled. You've been dismissed. And if this is you, I want you to learn what what this man learned. When everyone else rejects you, Christ accepts you. When everyone else leaves you christ finds you when no one else wants you christ claims you and when others overlook you christ sees you now others of you relate to the observers you've compared you've labeled you've even pitied as if you are the standard of perfection if that is you then go back to john chapter 9 and verse 4 and and understand what your role is jesus said as long as it is day We must do the works of Him who sent me. Friends, we must continue the works of God. And what are those works, you ask? Well, Jesus shows us. Lead with love. See another's humility and value. Refuse to label. Champion others. Share your care. Writing about this type of kingdom now living in his book, The Feast, Minister Josh Graves points out that When the scriptures talk about a day when every tongue will confess and every knee will bow, when swords will be used for stewardship and not death, when the lion and then the lamb will have a play date together, when skin color and gender and politics will no longer define and divide us, this is what it means to live God's future in the present world. Graves says, we're called to bring this vision into the now. Jesus is the master embracer, and he expects his followers to learn from him how to relate to and how to treat other people. The only way anything changes is for an instrument of God's grace to appear. So love instead of label, heal instead of hate, comfort instead of condemn, join Jesus in the work of God, be the instrument of grace that brings godly sight to a blinded world. Friends, have a great week. Let's be God's grace to the people who are around us.